0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the
1: end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams! It goes to the right side for Crabtree, it's caught. He eye plays. Eye oh, he's going to hire the Red Raider! He's got to go, he's tackled, Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS champion.
0: Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Ishmael Johnson, the Assistant Managing Editor at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com, and also, I have to take a breath in between my own titles, the Managing Editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball. I'm here in studio with Mike Craven, our college football insider and recent senior Twitter instigator, Mm -hmm. uh, according to our Twitter graphics. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good. You know, starting fights.
2: Yeah, doing the thing I like to do best.
0: That's what we like to. Uh, in other words, is what people, What some people are also saying is uh, ruining the legacy of this magazine, which is what <laughs> I've heard also on Twitter. So, you know, that's always a good thing to hear. Uh, on the, <laughs> with with the, quarterback rankings, yeah, you, you know, know what what? I mean? like, apparently so people not, are so intense. You know, hyperbole, whatever. Anyway, uh, turning the dials, switching the knobs over there is everyone's favorite Mal pal, Mallory Hartley. How you doing?
3: Hey, good. How are you guys?
0: I'm good. I'm. Uh, you know, can you like, hear me? Okay. I can hear you fine. Oh, I can't uh,
3: hear myself. Maybe oh. I'm
0: just losing it. <laughs> I'm well. <laughs> hear what? I said, I'm well. You're well? Yeah. Okay. I hate it. You know, if people Go,
2: ask oh, me, yeah. oh, how oh, are you doing? I, and somebody says, and you're like, I'm good. And they're like, I'm well. You know, and you're like, oh. Are oh, you oh. doing
0: good? Yeah. I'm well. Oh, yeah. It's God. like, okay, guys. I'm well. What <laughs> the hell? Anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, how you guys feeling about ruining the legacy of this magazine? This is, it's going really great.
2: I'm surprised okay, it took me 10 a, months. With
0: a gra-
3: <laughs> I was going to say, according to everybody online, uh, we shouldn't have jobs because sure. we're just going down the drain. So
2: <laughs> Hard agree.
0: It kind of hurts. I, I, well,
3: you know, know what? But, that's fair. You know, I, I, Maybe no we shouldn't have jobs here. Who knows? Honestly.
0: Anyway. So, yeah. The, the birds
2: don't have jobs. We will. Uh, I've never seen a cricket with a job. That's right? true. Yeah. I mean, they live great so, lives. That's good they, point. Yeah. They're fun. I mean, my dog doesn't have a job. Happiest person I've Just gets fed
0: here. and- taking to the bathroom he has to run outside. Yeah, That sounds pretty good to me. Not bad. Well, we will be talking about another one of those graphics that made social media upset on the back half of this show. Uh, but in the first half, we'll be discussing more headlines. Some AM versus Texas. Uh, Craven had a piece, an interesting piece, over the recruiting of Texas and a and recently and kind of the, the opposite effects. They're kind of uh, they're opposite successes they're kind of having, particularly with this 2023 cycle. And we'll talk about that here in a bit. And then we'll also talk with 247's Jeff Howe, about the Longhorns, uh, I believe he's, he's going to be calling us more or less from Longhorn practice, more or about to head out to Longhorn practice, so we'll talk to him around 2.15. But before we do call him, I mentioned some headlines, and I think this week was kind of a good summary of <laughs> Mike Craven's article, which you could go check out uh, right now on texasfootball.com. It is called Longhorns Aggies Gear Up on Opposite Sides with Rivalry Looming in the Foreground, which of course alludes to their eventual move to the SEC, uh, Texas. Anyway, some news this week dropped that AnM picked up Denton Ryan linebacker Anthony Hill, five-star, another coup for the Aggies, continuing their success from the 2022 class, 2023. And then Texas misses out on Colton Vosick from Westlake, a four-star defensive end from, uh, as I mentioned, from Westlake. He committed to Oklahoma, which continues kind of their slew of missing out on homegrown Austin products and defensive products in general. So, Craven, those two news drops this week what's your takeaway and kind of give us a hint of what's what you talk about in the article
2: yeah i mean i think on the anthony hill front that's huge for texas a&m yeah right i mean he's the best linebacker i've seen in the state over the last 10 12 years um at least over the last two decades uh going I, i've been trying to think of like the last linebacker i can think of who was as dominant as him in high school and the only person i could really think of was like baron browning uh mm-hmm. but then back to like steve edmund You know, like how he dominated at smaller classifications. Anthony Hill's doing this at the highest level of high school football in the country, right? 6A football in the state of Texas. So uh, a really good prospect, a really good get uh, for Texas A&M, and one that hurts Texas. It was Texas and Texas A&M, right? Mm -hmm. We're back to kind of seeing uh, those two-way battles on the recruiting front. Uh, They're going to have more and more emphasis on them as they're both in the same conference. They both start playing each other again. I think it's a bad sign for Pete Kwiatkowski. If we're going to look at this from the Texas yeah. side, right? You see this team that's recruiting juggernauts everywhere. Arch Manning, mm-hmm. uh, Quinn Ewers comes back, right? They they get Jonte Cook. Like, they have all the momentum in the world but not defensively. You know, they, they did it. I thought their 2022 class was really good at the defensive line. Sure. Right? Uh, but if you're trying to build this class, right, you're trying to get to what A&M was last year, at, like the top class in the nation, you have, to, you have to land a guy like Anthony Hill. I think it's an indictment on the Texas defense over the last few years. And that's probably unfair to blame Kukowski for all of it because he's only been there for a year. Sure, sure. Uh, but I think the way that the Texas offensive line has a reputation, the Texas defense has a reputation, mm-hmm. and it hasn't been good for a long time. So if you're a main star middle linebacker or you're a defensive end at Westlake, even though that's right down the road, why wouldn't you go play for Brent Venerables? Bulls? at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you go play for a Texas A&M team that signed six five-star defenders over the last two cycles, right? Like, you want to go play with the best, and you want to go play for the best. Right now, if we're talking about Texas' defense, that's not true. Neither one of those is true, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have those other options, uh, you're going to take them, and that's bad news for Texas. That's something that they're going to have to fix, and I think the only way to do it is to play better on the field. Right. These yeah. guys, if Texas goes out and plays really well defensively, you know, maybe Colton's back in the mix. Right. Maybe you call up Anthony Hill again. And, it, and if those guys are gone, it helps you in the next cycle, in the next cycle, in the next cycle. Because I know this Texas is going to score points mm-hmm. and the offensive players that they're recruiting with Steve Sarkeesian leading the way Texas offense is going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But you cannot go to the SEC and be this bad of a defense, sure. right? They've been bad in the Big Twelve. They're getting bullied in the Big Twelve. What is going to happen when it's Alabama, Georgia, LSU, you know, Ole Miss, A and M, um, and so they're going to have to get the defensive recruiting to match the offensive recruiting before I'm, you know, sitting here and going, I think Texas is
0: bad. Mm-hmm. I think this is. You mentioned Pete Kwakowski and. I am curious about his recruiting acumen at Washington because I'm not familiar with it, right? I know that he was – I knew that Washington produced good defenses under him. So as a coach, I'm very much confident in what he's able to do. But I'm not familiar if they were able to snag a couple guys from Oregon in recruiting battles and things like that. I don't know. Maybe somebody more familiar with that side of his uh, 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 resume can, can enlighten me on that. But also, the ones that I'm kind of looking at are Terry Joseph, Blake Gideon. Jeff Choate right like those are guys like those are the guys that I'm wondering like okay why does nobody want to play for those guys mm-hmm. right like is there something else to their recruiting right do they not have are they are those guys not recruiting uh, well e- efficiently enough right Terry Joseph comes from Notre Dame who never recruited poorly but probably didn't reach certain heights that they should have as a as a recruit as we're seeing now that they are under Marcus Freeman is that something that you know kind of hinders him as maybe a, as a, a program builder as a position coach I don't know um I believe he's a secondaries coach Terry Joseph I believe yep. yeah so yeah and then Blake Gideon of course coaches safeties um so I don't know I think Bo Davis obviously flashes his acumen as a recruiter as you mentioned with right. the defensive, defensive line. line's been fun. defensive line's been good and his resume speaks for itself as a recruiter and coach so like I think that's fine but I'm
2: you miss out on Oshon Mathis.
0: That's the, that's the thing too. You bring right. in Gary Patterson, and I don't know how much he's involved in recruiting, so I don't want to blame that. But like, yeah, you have you have Oshon Mathis there on a table for you. You lose out to Nebraska. You lose out to Nebraska. Right. You lose out on Drew Sanders, right? Another Texas player right. who goes out of state. There, there's just like, no I excuses for it. You I can't you, you keep be able missing to out. Snag some guys here and there, right. Especially when you're having such good. Uh, 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 success on the offensive end.
2: And I, I think another point is this shows how NIL doesn't play this huge factor. I think we all sure. give it credit to, right? Like, like money's not an issue, here. right? Because mm-hmm. like for these five-star guys, they're not making a one-year decision. This right. isn't like where can I go get twenty grand next year and twenty grand the year after that. This is who's going to set me up to be a multi-millionaire in four years, yep. right? And if you're a defensive player. For the same reason, if you're a wide receiver, you're picking Texas. Mm -hmm. On the other side, if you're a defensive player and I have Oklahoma, A&M, and Texas, and when those are all in the SEC, that's going to be kind of the triangle, right? Mm -hmm. Let's add LSU in there. If you have an offer from LSU, Texas, Oklahoma, and A&M, and you play middle linebacker, and your goal is to be a second, first-round pick in the NFL draft, You're going to Mm A&M, or you're going to Oklahoma, or you're going to LSU until at Texas you see concrete evidence that you can go there, get developed, and get drafted. Right. That's why offensive linemen haven't been going there. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you get Kyle Flood, and Kyle Flood can go. Well, I put it in offensive linemen every single year at Alabama. Or to right? your po- to your point, so on like Oklahoma. there's there's evidence. Yeah, to
0: your point in Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma hasn't had a good defense, but Brent Venables comes right. in. Brent Venables had, right, Brent Venables. You want to play for Brent Venables, right? And, <laughs> and so, so
2: Texas doesn't have that. Like yeah. Sark is the uh, is the ultimate like uh, he, he like the show me on offense, right? Offense you have Sark, yes. You know, but on defense, you do you guy. have something equal to that? I would imagine behind the scenes, Steve, Steve Sarkeesian is looking at these recruiting classes and going, "We're getting whoever we want offensively, yeah. and we're not close to getting whoever we want defensively. Mm-hmm. How do we get there? What do we do for that?" Uh, unfortunately for him, I think it's a it's going to be an on the field deal until it's it's a chicken and egg thing. Yep. And I think at this point. It's a – if you're a defensive recruit, you're waiting to see Texas show you that they can do it before you just assume that they're going to.
0: Right. And if they continue to go like this, unfortunately it looks like that. At least for the immediate future of the SEC, they might be somebody like a Mississippi State Ole Miss where they're like – they're exciting, right? And they'll catch some teams sleeping – but they just cannot stop anybody on that other end. This fall will be an indication because obviously a lot of this roster is going to carry over to the mm-hmm. sec. And I don't want to say like if, if 2024 maybe, or they close well with 2023 or 2024 is a good class. Those guys aren't going to have an immediate, immediate impact on the sec. So it's going to be this roster more or less the one that they're going to be taking. And as it's constructed, it's not ready to compete in the sec um, at least defensively. So uh, let's switch around to A&M for a little bit because they've had success here and, kind of hint at the article that Craven wrote it's basically comparing both sides of the ball for each program right Texas is having success with running back at wide receiver at offensive line Texas A&M obviously they're having they're not having a a bad time on offense but defensively they're really (laughs) cashing in especially last season on what they were able to do on that side of the ball despite losing Mike Elko right they lost their defensive coordinator but I think the brand of A&M now is what it is and so players like ish harris anthony hill martrell harris you know uh, denver harris of course there's another one um dayon like those guys are all just like yeah let's go like let's all go back and make another generation of the wrecking crew basically carrying over what they did last season
2: yeah and last year you see that defensive line class that they sign and some of those big you know walter nolan shamar stewart uh, labius overton right and if you're playing middle linebacker you're like man I get to play behind those guys, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like a quarterback looks at an offensive line a middle linebacker looks at the defensive line because those guys protect you, right? If those guys are all taking up a couple blocks, Anthony Hill's saying, I can go there and get 115, 130 tackles Mm -hmm. right away, right? They're going to have to double-team Walter Nolan. I'm going to be free. Texas doesn't have that yet. Now, they signed a tremendous 2022 class defensively, right, especially on the defensive line. So maybe in a year or two, as those guys start to develop, Linebackers across the state and across the country start to think that about the Texas, you know, defensive line. Uh, but right now, I just don't think they do. And A and M, I think, has done an excellent job. Uh, recruiting defense, making that priority, knowing the trenches are important. You know, they already have one of the best secondaries in college football, maybe the best secondary in college football, definitely the best one in this state. Mm-hmm. Uh, if their front seven can can match that, you, you're right. We're starting to talk about a real wrecking crew situation here, and that's how you win in the SEC. I look at A&M right now and think the 2023 season – they're going to be a top 5 program in in this country, right? They're going to be an odds on favorite to be one of those four teams in the college football playoff. It really is one of those positions where if they just figure out quarterback, mm-hmm. that program feels kind of unstoppable yeah. right now. Like they are running the state in a way that we haven't seen A&M do that in a while. They're just missing that Lynch piece pin, sure. you know? They're just missing that linchpin at quarterback and maybe it's on campus. You know, maybe sure. that's Connor Wigman, maybe that's Haynes King. Right. just uh, reps, you know. Right, and we just haven't seen it yet. Um, but it is amazing to watch what Jimbo's doing, and, and you see why they gave him kind of a carte blanche, $10 million for the rest of your life contract, mm-hmm. right? This is why you bring in a Jimbo Fisher to put you in these conversations, to put you in position to go win at the highest level. I think A&M is geared up to do that now better than they have in my whole entire life, maybe since the 80s when I was a baby.
0: Right, basically. And like a, this is going to gear up for the Lone Star Showdown to eventually be – Clash of styles, man. Like yeah. it's going to be very fascinating to watch right. this future defense versus this future. I mean, Texas you're, you're, offense, you're
2: so. signing up for like Devin Campbell versus Walter Charles Nolan, Taylor. yeah, right. And then you got you know Jaden Blue running against Anthony Hill, right. And then you got Jonte Cook going out against routes against Denver, Denver Harris. I was about to say, just you know, to, and oh you're gosh, just like those kind great. of matchups are lining up across the field, and you're like, everybody's excited about this game. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you start thinking about this offense versus defense, like, man. This is going to be like a show. It's going to be a real show. Yeah.
3: So I got a, a quick question before we move on. Are they going to be stuck in the same division, Texas they, A&M and Texas? No, they
2: haven't announced that yeah, yet. Yeah. Okay, uh, I just I, I didn't know. Everything if that was I be. read is they're thinking of like a three six motto, right? Where it's yeah. more pods. Like you, you face these three teams every single year, and then we nice. we mix. Up. I think it's getting too big for divisions, and I, I also too. think conferences are looking at it and going well, why is the best team in the conference having to play the sixth best team in the conference depending on the year? Every year the second best team can be different. Let's have a resume builder as a conference championship. I think Mm -hmm. divisions are kind of – Archaic and outdated, and and we kind of see the three six model move, which I love. I think the three six model is a genius idea. That
3: is, it's very interesting. I mean, it it, yeah, I I think I thought divisions were kind of need to be scrapped a while ago. So that's a good solution. Yeah, because it it gives your fan
2: base the consistency of rivalry. Right, Mm -hmm. Texas will still have OU. Texas will theory still have A and M. Texas probably have Arkansas. Right. But then you also, every couple of years, you're going to get LSU. You're going to get Georgia. You're going to get Alabama. You're going to get Florida, right? And those, those are right. the games for Texas that they've been missing at home,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? Like a and M schedule the last couple of years, you look at three or four games, you're like, man, those are must-see. If you're a fan, you've got to be there. Yep. Right? Even if you're going to lose, you've got to be there. You know, Texas doesn't have very good home games. The best team they play every single year, or the, the one the fans want to see, it happens in Dallas, Right. right? So there's not a lot of rivalry games in Austin. I think moving to the SEC helps that, and in theory that will help recruiting as well.
0: All right, so hey, if you're watching this, you obviously know we're live, right? Whether it's YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, uh, Facebook, uh, TexasFootball.com, all that stuff. But starting in the fall, we will also be recording a Sunday episode. Not live, but be available on Apple, Spotify, all those things. Of course, if you're listening to us on those right now and you've been a loyal fan, you already know this, but just making everybody aware. Also, Texas Football Magazine finally getting store shelves within the next couple weeks. But if you already have your magazine or if you've wanted it for a while, consider this an incentive next year or maybe right now for next year to subscribe because they've had it for a while. We've made sure the subscribers were the first to get it despite the paper shortage. Subscribers were the first to get the magazine this year. So if you don't wanna be left out, if anything happens in the future, be sure to subscribe, we'll take care of you. But yes, the magazines are coming. Subscribe at texasfootball.com. As I mentioned, that we will be talking to another guest who is live or about to be live from uh, Texas football practice, a fellow Bobcat alum, so therefore one of the top 1% in this world, (laughs) 247's very own, Jeff Howe. Jeff, how are you doing, man?
1: Best introduction I've ever had (laughs) from any interview in my life.
0: Let's go, baby. All right, Jeff, I'm going to start you off right away. We're going to get right into it. is Steve Sarkisian gonna name a starting quarterback, yes or no, before Week One?
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna ask today. Um, no, <laughs> not today. Yeah, no. I think he, I think he will. And, and kind of here's where my gut is on on the quarterback situation. I think if he names it shortly after the first scrimmage, it's gonna be Quinn Ewers. Like I, I just think that there's enough within this offense. Yeah, they've got some offensive line issues, and I'm sure we'll touch on that. But I think when you look at how deep and talented they are at running back, the weapons they've got at wide receiver. Uh, a, a, a small yet really talented group of tight ends. I think there's enough to insulate the quarterback to where you don't really worry about Quinn Ewers' inexperience. You just feel like the arm talent is so good that with a couple of these young receivers, with a couple of these young offensive linemen, if he can kind of grow with this offense as the year goes on, uh, not to say that this would be a waste of year or anything, but you would feel outstanding about where you are heading into into 2023. Uh, I think if it goes beyond the first scrimmage. Or a couple days beyond the first scrimmage into that second scrimmage. I think that bodes really well for Hudson Card. I mean, everything I've heard, all signs of 20 to 20 years being the guy. Mm -hmm. But I think the longer this goes on, the better it is for Hudson Card. At least I think that should be the perception because that'll mean he's playing his way into the job. So this is
2: this Mike Craven here. So does that mean for you that you think this is kind of like Quinn Ewers' jobs to take? And if if Hudson kind of emerges as the guy, that means just Quinn didn't kind of get to the level as fans or as you know guys who watched him as high school you know prospect thinks that he would get to.
1: I think so, Mike. I think it's more of how much of the offense can Quinn digest, and I, the biggest thing I think that he has to get over. Uh, I, I don't think it's anything about pure talent, uh, but one of you know, like a lot of coaches, and I think this is really what made the decision last year to not go with Casey Thompson, go with Hudson Card. You know, one thing Sark really does not like is a quarterback that turns the football over, and that's careless with the football. Uh, and I think there were times he we saw it a little bit in the spring game, but we hear weird about it from the close scrimmages. Uh, you know, a guy trusting his I arm. Mean, you got I mean, to remember, and Quinn Ewers hasn't thrown a pass in a game situation. You want to count whatever scrimmages he got at Ohio State, but you're going back to his senior year at South Lake. So he, he didn't throw a pass last year in a game at Ohio State. So I mean spring ball was that was the first time he had really been like anything close to legitimate live reps. And I, I think trusting his arm a little bit more and you don't anticipate speed and how quick the windows close and things like that. But that to me, Mike, that's the big question with Quinn and Sart is you know, Sark last year he just kinda went with Hudson Carter. I think probably was maybe a little bit of a safer choice. Because uh, he didn't like some of the turnovers Casey had in, in the scrimmages. Does Sark have, for lack of a better term, the stomach to put up with some of the turnovers, knowing that with a guy as talented as Quinn is, that the upside's going to be there?
2: You know, you kind of mentioned the offensive line a, a little bit here. You know, some really good players coming in, but it, that's always felt like a position where coaches are like, "Man, we can't expect an 18-year-old to come in from high school and, and play right away." You know, if we if we go to like mid-season, right? Like, how many of those true freshmen do you think are legitimately in the rotation, or maybe even in the starting lineup by then?
1: I think up to three or four. I mean, Cole Hudson got a jump on everybody because he was in town for spring practice. You know, Sark even said he's working a little bit of center. I mean, that's another thing with this Texas offensive line. I mean, if you want to start talking about those valuable pieces, Mike, on this Texas team, Jake Majors is pretty high up there because I don't know what they would do for a backup center, knock on wood, if something happened to Jake Majors. I know Cole Hudson's working there. Uh, Kelvin Banks is going to play. Uh, De- Devon Campbell's going to play somewhere, and I know he's another guy that – Sark and Kyle Flood both said has kind of started to work some center a little bit, just training him there, to see if maybe in, a, in an emergency spot he could be a center or maybe down the line somewhere. Uh, I know the staff is also really excited about Cameron Williams. I mean, they love big people. They you know, there's no there's no right, there's no wrong way to build a good offensive line, uh, and that's kind of the way Sark wants to do it. You know, you, I asked them about this actually at coaching school because I don't think we've ever really asked them about like why do you want these big, massive human beings, whereas I think the previous staff of Texas, they kind of wanted to get more smaller guys and see if you can build them up. And the Sark talked about his time in the NFL when he was the OC in Atlanta. And, and I went back and verified that he was right. The Falcons had the lightest offensive line in the league the two years he was there. And he said he just really got frustrated when they would go play, you know, the Ravens or the Steelers or teams with these big defensive fronts, the Eagles. And, and they would kind of get their head handed to him. And he, he said he told himself, look, if I ever get a chance to do this again on my own, I'm not going to walk into a stadium and get bullied. And he feels like to do that, you need big people. And I think Cam Williams out of Duncanville is, is that kind of guy. So, I mean, I just named four right there, Mike, I think. And, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if all four of those guys, if a couple of those guys, you know, you typically in a Texas season, usually by the, by the that week after the Oklahoma game is usually when if there are some, some leaks in the boat, you get them plugged up. It wouldn't surprise me at all if by that point a couple of those guys are starting or at least playing pretty significant high-leverage snaps.
2: Yeah, I've heard Kyle Flood say before, like, there's weight classes for a reason. You know, like, big guys beat up little guys. So, I, I totally get that. Before we transfer over to the defensive side of the ball, like, Texas is, has struggled over the last 10 or so years, but they've always had really good running backs. Like, you've been around this program a lot. You've covered them for a long time. Like, where do you rank Bajon Robinson, or how do you classify Bajon Robinson in that upper echelon of running backs you've seen come through the 40? Oh,
1: that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I said this, Mike, when he was coming out of high school. Uh, I thought the comp for him was, I, I felt, and, and look, this is huge because I remember when this guy I'm going to mention was coming out of high school and he was what I felt like was one of the best high school football players and still one of the best high school football players I've ever seen. I felt he was Cedric Benson, but with a little more juice. Like when you just, you I know, mean, Cedric Benson had some of the best feet for a running back and just natural running instincts I've ever seen. And bijan has got some of that, but then you throw in the fact that he probably, Xavier Worthy included, has the best hands on the team, uh, and I think they're going to use him more in the passing game this year. All the tools he brings to the table, he's got the the stop-start ability, the change-of-direction ability, and he does have the ability to, to thump you between the tackles because he can handle that kind of pounding. Uh, that would kind of be my, my comp, Mike. I mean, I know some people say there's the Jamal Charles thing. I don't know if people just automatically go there because of the, the dreads or whatever, but uh, you know, Jamal Charles, with all due respect to how how fast Bijan is. Jamal Charles was world class fast, but that's kind of how I've always thought of Bijan, and that's kind of how I see him. I, I think he's Cedric Benson with just a little more juice.
2: You remember those toys as a kid that were like bigger at the bottom, so you tackle them and they'd pop right back up because you couldn't <laughs> yeah. get them off balance? That's what I think about with Bijan Robbins. Like he has the best balance of any running back I've ever seen, I think, at the college level.
1: Yeah, the, the balance of the, the footwork, Mike, is just, is just what does it for me. I mean, you never really. This is. I know this gets said a lot about quarterbacks. Um, and I, I said this about Kyler Murray, you know, not to go too far off on a tangent, but people always say this, well, you know, Kyler, because of his size, will never hold up because of his size. I'm like, yeah, but, you know, if you watch Kyler Murray, even in Allen, even his time at Oklahoma, like, Kyler Murray never really got hit hard. Mm. And when you watch Bijan, like, to your point, he never really gets hit hard. And when he does, uh, it's really, really hard to get him on the ground. You know, he's not a guy you're going to bring down with arm tackles. You're going to need to bring it and there's gonna have to be three, four, five hats on the ball to get him on the ground. And but you never you don't see his highlight reel or just watch game cut ups and see where he just takes at times almost the unnecessary shots that some guys will take, almost like, hey, I've got to prove I'm tough. No, just be a smart runner. I think that's another underrated thing about him. I think Bichon's a really smart runner.
2: You know, we talked a lot about the offense. Everybody wants to talk about the offense because it's kind of the fun, sexy position. But, you know, I I heard Pete Kwakowski kind of make a joke of like what pass rush the other day at at a at a press conference. Where does that come from? Like, are there some guys on the roster that maybe fans and and, and people like me who don't cover it day in, day out? Like, we just don't know that guy yet, but he's going to emerge. Like, how do they kind of figure that out personnel wise?
1: Can we keep just talking about the offense? It's more fun to talk about with Texas. No, I mean, you know, you look at the numbers last year. Mike, I mean, Texas last year, 1.67 sacks per game. Uh, that's the worst per-game sack total for a Texas defense since 1997. Uh, and anytime time you talk about that 97 defense, uh, in terms of a record set since then, it's not anything good. Uh, he, uh, you know, Ben Davis was your sack leader at two and a half. That's the lowest total for a Texas single season sack leader since the school started recording them as an official statistic in 1975. And then, you know, not just the pass rush, Mike, but I, you know, I went back and looked at the numbers, kind of crunched some some pro football focused data. You realize on runs to the C gap and out last year, Texas gave up almost seven yards a carry. So, <laughs> so on the edges. You couldn't affect the quarterback with any level of consistency. You couldn't stop the run with any level of consistency. And, you know, that's where, you know, missing on a guy like Oshawn Mathis out of the transfer portal really hurts you. I, I think they're gonna, you know, they're they're gonna have to do some things schematically to shore up the edges. You know, in terms of personnel, I think you've kind of got to money ball it a little bit and just try some different guys there. You know, Demarvian Over. I know they're they're this staff from everything we've heard, Mike, they really like Jalen Ford. I think he's going to be a really good player at inside linebacker. And he needs to be if they're going to move DeMarvin Overshone around and use him on the edge as much as they want to try to get a little more pass rush. Uh, you know, Justice Finkley, Jamon Tapp, Baron Sorrell, those are some of the young guys that you'll see play this year. But you know, even the really good edge guys, we've seen Texas churn out in the last 20 or so years. You know, Alex Okafor, Jackson Jeffcoat, Sam Acho. Those guys weren't playing, you know, 250, 300 snaps too true freshmen. They were kind of situational guys. In good I don't know depth, but those various points has been very different than it is now. Uh, but, you know, you'll see those young guys play. How many how many snaps will they getting? Do you trust them? Uh, I think, you know, you look at a guy like Alfred Collins. Uh, can you kick him out a little bit in some situations? And can he be a better run defender when he's out there? You know, a guy like Mauro Ojimo can play multiple shades. So I just think they're going to have to take what they've got. There's no – I say all that to say this, I'm like, there's no easy answer on how to fix Texas on the edges, with stopping the run or getting out for the quarterback. They're just going to have to tweak some things schematically and take what they've got and figure out what are the best situations to use these guys, what's the the right number of snaps for these guys. And quite frankly, I know Texas fans don't want to hear this, but I think at that point you just kind of have to hope that either something clicks for a guy like Alfred Collins or that these young cats I just mentioned, that they're just that good and they can handle a heavy workload.
2: So we, we kind of mentioned those stats, right, the edge not being all that great. Anthony Hill commits to A&M, you know, a defensive end from Westlake right down the road commits to Oklahoma. Uh, how much of a of a leash does Pete Kukowski has uh, have, especially with Gary Patterson kind of looming in the background? Is he there to help or is he there to take
1: over? No, yeah, he's here to help, but I, I think it was made pretty clear why he's here in the first place. You know, I don't think anybody – Anybody in that coaching office, anybody with a dog in the fight, so to say, was happy with how things went on defense. I don't think that this is a situation like Texas got into in 2013, where you know Mac thought going back to that year, you know Mac thought long and hard after the 2012 season about firing Manny Diaz, and kind of I think everybody knew kind of brought in Greg Robinson as a break glass in case of emergency situation i don't think it's that for a couple of reasons i think one i think steve Sarkeesian steve is going to give pete kutowski the benefit of the doubt to try to fix it i think in terms of understanding the personnel the the personnel adapting to the coaches and vice versa i think there really is a sense that everybody is Mm -hmm. more on the same page this year than maybe they were last year and by the way too you got to remember, Pete Kwiatkowski was hired after this defensive staff was already put together. So you're talking about this unique ecosystem of players trying to get to know coaches, coaches trying to get to know players. I mean, you had your DC, you know, last spring trying to get to know his assistant coaches and and and, un, and understand the personalities and the idiosyncrasies of guys he's working with. So I think it was just a work in progress last year defensively that never worked out. But I also think too, like when you look at Gary Patterson, I just don't think like he had plenty of opportunities to go get. Uh, a power five DC job, if he wanted one. I just think this is kind of his way of staying close to the game, but yet taking a step back. Pardon the pun from those responsibilities that he would have as a head coach. He doesn't have to recruit. You don't have to deal with, you know, boosters and donors and things like that. Uh, you know, you can just kind of be a film room junkie and, and get back to your roots as a coach of um helping, you know, develop and mold football players and, and being involved in the evaluation process, which I know he's been a part of. So I just don't think it's a, I know Texas fans kind of want to look at that situation back in 2013. and think this is the same thing. I don't think this is the same thing. But trust me, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski should have gotten the message because I think it's pretty clear why Gary Patterson's here to, to make sure this defense isn't one of the worst in school history for the second year in a row.
2: And then last one for me, I really appreciate the time. If I set the over and under at eight for this season, win total, uh, which one are you headed towards, the over or the under?
1: I would slightly take the over. I mean, I think this is an eight-win team that has a chance to go get the nine wins for the bowl game. I think with this schedule, that would be a good year. I- I'll-, I'll tell you this, you know, I was looking at the road games Texas plays this year. Like, they're true road games. I know Oklahoma's a neutral side game. But, you know, the road trips. Like, this could be the last time for a while, and who knows, maybe ever that Texas goes out to Lubbock to play a football game. This could be the last year Texas goes to Stillwater. The last road trip to Manhattan. Those are going to be pretty – I would expect them to be pretty charged up environments. And you've got a head coach in Steve Sarkeesian whose road record as a head coach is 13-31. and 31. So Sark and his career hasn't been great on the road. In Texas last year, you know, some of their worst games, Arkansas and Iowa State jump out. They were not good at all on the road last season. So I think that road schedule, if you, you – know, kind of – I've been trying to think about it, like like the path to eight wins. Uh, you know, you would probably got to split those road games and then be at least one and two in that three-game run of, you know, Alabama game two, the Oklahoma game, and then finishing it off with Baylor and then assuming you win your other games – that's your path eight and four. I think with this schedule with the issues they've got on defense and with having to replace you know pretty much every major fulcrum so to say of their special teams you know I mean Cameron Dicker's gone they've got to replace a four-year snapper and Justin Motter and you're breaking in a new holder with Ryan Buschewski leaving you know you take all those things into consideration you can't lean on special teams the way you did last year I think an eight-win regular season with everything that I just talked about with a chance to get to nine with a bowl game, I think that would be a really good year for this program, for this team and kind of show that Sark has things, you know, trending in the right direction. All
2: right, sir. We really appreciate the time. Uh, Thank you for coming on and and enjoy those 15 minutes of uh, stretches that you get to watch there.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm all over it. I'm waiting in the parking lot with bated breath right now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Keep that AC on. We appreciate it, man.
1: All right. Thanks guys.
0: Uh, there goes Jeff Howe two four seven. You can follow him on Twitter at Jeff Howe two four seven. Like I said, one percent of this. Uh, he's part of the one percent. I Texas really
2: States. thought you were gonna like lead him into a Lane Hatcher question. You know, <laughs>
0: like just like, yeah, thanks for coming on Texas State.
2: over yeah, and under right. I know. <laughs> uh, I do think his point about the schedule is is a uh, is That's a good what, one, right? Like, I have not like, thought about that. Texas doesn't leave the state until October twenty second.
0: Yeah, that's That's, that's wild to the me. O,
2: the OU game's technically a road game this year that happens right. in Dallas sure. and they're at tech. Right. Right? They only leave the state three times all year.
0: Yeah. That's right. Uh nuts. that's at that's Oklahoma crazy. State,
2: October twenty second, at Kansas State, November fifth, at Kansas. Big time, big time game there. Revenge, Revenge Tour, yeah. uh, November nineteenth, right? So like they only leave the state <laughs> that's three so times. I can't two of I'm them look, is to Kansas. I can't believe that's I'm looking so at Kansas sad. schedule
0: to see who they have before to make sure it's not a letdown. Let down, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need
2: to look at it to see it after so they're not overlooking Texas. You know, like you know oh, we got Oklahoma State next week. Oh, yeah, they like, got
0: Kansas State the next week. Oh, that's Whoa. a big time that's that's a rivalry, that's a rivalry game. Letdown. Look ahead. For you know, so
2: it is. It is kind of this convergence of two different things, right? They're a brand new football team. Thirty five right. of their 85 scholarship players are, are new, yep. right? Either transfers or incoming freshmen. We just heard Jeff say that he expects three to four true freshman offensive linemen. And I think he's right. I'm just yeah. laughing because, like, that's insane, right? right? That that shows how bad you've been uh, at recruiting offensive line and developing yeah. offensive line leading into this. but. With that schedule, right, because, you know, that OU game, home versus away, what does it really do, right? It's just what color of jersey you wear, and then who gets to host recruits, right? But on the field, it's pretty much the same thing. The schedule lines up for this team to be really, really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just have to go do it, and we saw last year they can play with anybody. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't do it for four quarters. Are they deeper? Are they more talented? Do they believe in what they're doing a little bit more? I wouldn't be surprised if Texas won 10 games. I wouldn't be surprised if Texas won five games. Right. And that's just where we're at with the Longhorns. And until that changes, that's, to me, you used to count. You, it, they were winning 10 games. Mm-hmm. Sure. They were winning nine games. You, you know, like a bad that, season yeah. was nine wins, right? It's like, man, what's happened in Texas? You know, mm-hmm. And now it's like, man, I, don't, I have no idea. I have no clue how good or how bad this team is will be, because it's not about talent. If Mm -hmm. it was about talent, they wouldn't be having this dip for the last 13, 12 years, or whatever it is. They're going to be talented. They're going to be talented, more talented than 10 out of the 12 teams on their schedule. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma and Alabama are the only ones. They're going to be more talented than Baylor. Mm -hmm. But can they beat those teams? Mm -hmm. We don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So, as I hinted on in the first half of the show, we continue to ruin the legacy of this magazine this company um, on Twitter by ranking things around the state uh don't ask me it's not my words i'm quoting people i'm quoting comments i'm quoting twitter facebook all that stuff so in the spirit of continuing to ruin the legacy yes. of the magazine we will discuss those graphics right now first for some reason the one that didn't stir a lot of controversy
1: uh, i wonder backs. why i don't know why
0: uh mallory could you throw this one up absolutely see what well, can i figure out why this one did oh look, uh, texas oh texas and texas ain't at the top number one two. and two that's that's why I think.
2: <laughs> yeah, the the five out of the six top ones are P5 programs, right? right? Yeah, like,
0: some for some, uh, it's starting to make a little more sense why yeah. we didn't get. A Nothing lot of
3: makes people more mad is when we rank a a G5 school over any Power Five school right, in yeah, the state. So,
0: uh, I mean, I don't know. There's not much to discuss here because it kind of speaks for itself. If you don't think Bajon Robinson and Roshan Johnson are the best running back room in the state, obviously you throw it in throw in a Jadon Blue if you want. You can do all that like they're just at that point they're just flexing right as, mm-hmm. far, as far as talent goes i think the
2: discussion is at three four
0: that's fair yes like i think tcu's backfield is really good you know tech has I've, two
2: guys that we know about i was really about to good. say i think that's that's why that's tech why is I'm more known. Okay yeah is three right TCU's now. a little bit because people flexible. zach evans
0: leaves and people right. are like sky's falling but you right. look at that running back room it's still pretty it's good, good. it's still good pretty mm-hmm. good still pretty good so whether well, craven for you for this one besides three and four Were there any others where you were like, ah, this one's razor thin? I didn't know where
2: to put UTSA. Sure. I had sure. no idea where to put UTSA, sure. right? I mean, they got Traylon Smith, uh, a transfer from Arkansas. Arkansas. Brid- 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 Brady's back, uh, right. who had kind of flirted with with leaving the program, kind of being done with football. Um, you know, Ty Edwards is a big-time recruit that they got there. I think they're talented. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you lose Sincere McCormick, and what are you, right? right. I mean, you just, not a lot of guys have gotten carries there for a couple years now. So I just I don't know. You know, I try to I try to treat these lists on, like, production I'm sure about. -hmm, Right, mm -hmm. like that's why Texas wasn't top ranked as the quarterback room, like talent wise. Texas probably has the most talented quarterback room, but I haven't seen Quinn Ewers throw a ball since he was a junior in high school, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I couldn't put him there. Same with UTSA. It's like I think that running back rooms probably more talented than UTEP's, right? You know, Uh, but I hadn't seen it. I've seen UTEP's running backs, and Mm so uh, that's kind of where we're at with the preseason polls.
0: Yep. All right, so let's get to the fun one, the one that caused stirred up up lots of trouble because we have. A lot of...
2: Uh, I have some things to
0: say. Oh, uh, we, we have a lot of front seven heads in our mentions. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of real recruitniks. People who they to, think they know. Oh, we, no, no, no. People, experts that comes yes. When it comes to front seven. Yeah. People that are there with the ticker doing the 40 and the 40 yep. and, the sh- and the shuttle well, times. Well, why else would they be stuff?
3: commenting that if they didn't have right. concrete exactly. so evidence so the one as that to why... The,
0: the yeah. graphic that has single-handedly <laughs> taken down this reputation of this magazine <laughs> is the front seven. Mallory Hartley, can you throw up the 20, uh, uh-huh. Texas 12 rankings for the front seven? I'll just read this for the people. Ooh, that to UTEP at two, man. Baylor at number one. Shoot, UTEP I don't two, know. <laughs> Houston at three. SMU 4 A m five. And it goes. Texas up. at seven? North Texas. Mike Texas, Craven, what were you thinking? UTSA, TCU, Texas Tech, Rice, <laughs> Texas State at 12. Mike Craven, we've been publishing a magazine for 60 plus years. And never have I seen such an atrocity. What are you thinking?
3: Are we going under? First of all, can I ask that?
0: This will be our last show. (laughs) I
3: would like
2: to say first off that I've yet to have anybody who argues with these lists offer their own. For sure. No, nobody's like, well, here's the way I would rank the twelve, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say it with my chest, and I'm gonna mean it, right? Sure. There's not another person in the state that knows more about all these 12 teams than I do. Go for it. Like, I go around the state talking to all of these coaches. Like, mm-hmm. it's my job to cover all 12 of these FBS programs. We don't just cover Texas. We don't just cover AM, right? Like, we have to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Y'all can't tell me four players on Rice's front seven. You can't tell me no. who four players on UTEP's front seven. Don't argue with me mm-hmm. about stuff that you've never even heard. It's like when people are like, I, I really like this movie. Right, and they're like, ah, it's not the best. You know, it's like, have you seen them all? Right, like you don't, you're not even reading the article before you're arguing with me. These are pound for pound rankings. I was about to say, we even
0: put it on the graphic. Floyd, (laughs) yeah,
2: Floyd Mayweather. We could all agree, whether you like him or not, is the best pound for pound boxer of the last twenty years. Yes, that does not mean that he's beating up Vladimir Klitschko. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like there are weight classes for a reason. UTEP's defense is better in Conference USA than Texas's defense is in the Big Twelve. UTEP's front seven. Returns way more productive production than Texas A and M's front seven. Mm -hmm. It just does. That's just a true thing, right? And so all of these people and the mentions that are like, ah, you know, it's like, well, tell me one thing about UTEP. Like, what UTEP game did you watch? Because I went to two of them.
3: Right, right. right. You know what I mean? Like, you've talked to Dana Dimmel
2: multiple times, three times in this year. (laughs) Like, it hadn't even been football yet, right? And I've been to El Paso once, and I've talked to him at two different events at coaching school. At Conference USA Media Days and for a trip to El Paso for the magazine put together. Yes. Right? There's not another person out there that knows more about these defenses and front sevens and the personnel. Like there's just not. And so like I know that we've moved as a country to like expertise does not matter ever and <laughs> again, right. right? At all. But like maybe other people know more than you do. And like yeah. if I would like to know about being stupid. I will ask Twitter. And if you would like to know about front sevens in the state of Texas, you should ask me. And that's where we're at in this product exchange.
3: Yeah. No, I agree. Go ahead. What I don't understand. So I think the number one upset that people pointed out was UTEP being that number two. Sure. But I think people were also mad at Baylor being number one, which doesn't make much sense to me because nope. that's kind of their identity. Is yeah, there, is I mean they defense? have
2: the best defensive line in the exactly. State, that's and what I'm Dylan saying. Doyle's a star.
3: I mean that that's their identity uh, right now. Is yeah. their defense? And I mean I people people too. see
2: that they lost Terrell Bernard. Right. right and people right. are like, oh well, they lost a star on defense, you know. They got to get uh, more. They can't, you know. It's like, well, I mean, Dylan Doyle is really good. He was at Iowa. Iowa mm-hmm. knows how to play defense. They don't. Know how to play, they don't know how to play offense, but they don't know how to play defense, right? Mm-hmm. Siaka so Ika is the best defensive tackle in the country, probably. Um, and he, I anybody who doesn't believe me about UTEP, like, just needs to go look at UTEP's mm-hmm. right, route, like they're.
0: They're like they're really good. We at have their questions front seven. about you know their wide receiving after yeah, they lose their the corners, their, their, all their that consistency a quarterback, uh, all that stuff. Sure. I don't have any questions about their running. Their, their front seven is line. really good. Like Brion
2: Hayward's like the second most productive linebacker in the state behind Katie Davis. Sure. You know, Praise is an excellent defensive end, mm-hmm. Jadrian Taylor's incredible, Keegan Stewart at defensive tackles, awesome, right? Like those are all guys and they're all back and they were all conference. Mm-hmm. Right? Like who's the all conference defensive lineman at Texas coming back? Right. <laughs> Who's the all-conference defensive lineman at A&M coming back? Right. Like, I get that they all signed a bunch of five-star guys. Sure. But I've never seen them not play high school football. Right. And so, like, I'm not – I'm just not going to sit – it's not a talent ranking. Right. It's a pound-for-pound okay. pound college football ranking. Like, you know what we do here. Yep. Like, that's, this is who we are. Yep. Right. You know? And so, like, the idea of, like, us taking down Dave Campbell's or whatever, like <laughs> – this it's is what we do at Dave Campbell's <laughs> Texas football. Like we we're do this the for you. We're like, the place that the one place. we're the place
0: that covers all this. I was about to say yeah. this is the one place where you can, as a UTEP fan, say, Yeah, guess what? We do got a better defensive line than Texas. Right. You go but find those us. A UTEP
3: po- fans were pretty happy too. <laughs> find us a
2: podcast that talks about G five football as much as we do. Sure. You're
3: mm-hmm. not gonna find it. No.
2: Like and so like, I just don't I just wish people would be like Hey, I don't know anything about this. Can you just like rank them as P five teams or G five
0: teams? Because I get that argument. Or like just ask to explain. What's what's, why why have UTEP second?
2: Because I should say this. I understand that if we put Texas's personnel at UTEP. They yes. would go down as the best defense in the history of Conference USA. Sure, right. We'd be writing about right. them like they were. Demarvin like,
0: Overshown would like have a statue built of right. them. Right, exactly. I <laughs> yeah. totally get that. I am right.
2: not arguing that Keonje Coburn wouldn't wreck Conference USA <laughs> offensive lines. We're going to see Texas wreck UTSA. They, I, I get it, yeah. right. But that's not what these are. Mm-hmm. Like the same way a heavyweight would beat a lightweight, I get that A and M would beat UT. Mm-hmm. But this is a pound for pound ranking that is not that and like that's okay like it, that's an okay thing that's yep. not a you need to bring up a passed away man's name you know to right. talk like that's a weird thing like you're taking it way too seriously, seriously.
0: maybe just touch grass
2: as the kids say <laughs> right. or something. you know
0: like i don't i just don't get it no i agree uh with that being said we're not gonna stop doing these we're not no, gonna we're log not. off <laughs> we will not log off so hey we I, can, one you know, I, one yep.
3: last thing too i did see uh, uh, I, I, I cannot remember his name he's a uh, texas tech I, I believe he's a defensive player he uh-huh. quoted our tweet and said bet oh yeah with the cactus and i was go like that's it. what we want to see go for it. that right. is what we want to see wrong. prove us wrong yeah. you know don't wrong, don't great. go all up in arms I, about this list you know prove I, us wrong and tweet stuff like that because that's right. what i want to see Probably.
2: i'm all here to be at the end of the season and be like man
0: we were wrong about text defense.
2: I yes. if I re ranked that thing, I was an idiot.
0: Right, you know what I mean? Like um, we're all for, but like you can't pick attached, heads because we're not attached to this. Like, right. The well, and you can't.
2: You can't. A coin flip can't happen. You go tails. It lands on tails and go. I knew it. Right. No, right you didn't yeah. you guessed it? <laughs> right. Right. Like those aren't. That's not like you need. To, not like, how that works. Like there's like a whole class on knowledge that everybody needs to like learn. <laughs> right. You know, and like I, I just I just don't. I understand that AM's front seven has potential to be really, really good, mm-hmm. but until we see it, it's just potential. Right, mm-hmm. and that's just uh, I don't. Say that. Yeah. And we're
0: putting you know, another like one on a Monday, like Craven said. Touch grass, uh, and we will bring you some more slop for that <laughs> on that on that Twitter account. Yeah. So
2: wait till y'all see stadium ex- experiences. Oh
0: boy, <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. <laughs> Uh, so mute. yeah well, I'm you just go. gonna mute our Twitter comments 12th man smelt no, man do not mute anything <laughs> we don't run we we stand we never log off anyway <laughs> uh, so yeah you you little piggies will have your slop <laughs> next week and you'll just you'll <laughs> eat it up <laughs> anyway <laughs> that'll do it for us be sure to subscribe at uh, on Spotify subscribe yes. on Apple uh, for Apple Podcasts all that stuff remember we are live every Wednesday at 2 well well what
2: Until this podcast. (laughs) I've enjoyed everything we've done here. I appreciate y'all's friendship. And if I never see y'all again, I'm back in Austin.
0: We're all getting fired. Sorry. There you go. I was about to say, we probably don't have a job after that. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so anyway, we're here every Wednesday at 2 PM. Remember during the season, we will be having recap episodes, not live, but we'll be putting them on Spotify and Apple podcasts Sunday mornings, hopefully by noon, cross fingers, but somewhere roughly around that time when the season starts. Cause of course, Mike will be on the road. I'll be on the road. Mallory be on the road, things like that. So until next week for Mike, for Mallory, I'm Ishmael Johnson. And remember we have had 11 of the 12 FBS head coaches on this podcast Jimbo Fisher, please give us a call.
2: Good job to the state of Kansas.